Hey there, listeners. Thanks for stopping by to the podcast today. Please, before you're done listening to this episode, leave us a review. If you're on Spotify, you can review now. And you can also review on Apple Podcasts. But if there's any platforms that I'm forgetting about and you can leave us a review, please do so. If you're happening to watch us on YouTube, and if you don't know, you can watch these podcasts on YouTube now, uh, please like and subscribe to the channel and share the episode as well. So thanks for stopping by, everybody, and enjoy the episode. Stay hungry, stay foolish. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Power Podcast. I'm your host, Max Willett. We got another great guest on today, so if you could go ahead and introduce yourself, that would be great. I'm Steve Schuster, and I'm from Providence, Rhode Island. And how can I help you today, Max? What's going on? Oh, nothing much. Well, you know, basically, like every person that I have on the podcast, I would love to hear your life story. Uh, and I know Steve uh, through a BNI. He's, oof, I must have had six or seven people on now from BNI uh, on the podcast. Uh, the last one was Larry. That was a couple of weeks ago before Thanksgiving. Um, so, yeah, let's just get into it. Let's get right into it. Let's hear your life story, Steve. Thanks, Max. Um, thanks for having me. Yeah, no this problem. This is my, ca- my first podcast. Yeah. Super excited to do this. Yeah, great. So I grew up in Providence, Rhode Island. Yep. Great childhood. I love sports. I like friends. I started way back then developing relationships, and mm-hmm. that's what I'm going to be talking about through the podcast, relationships and friends. I had a great time growing up. I absolutely love somewhere down this neck of the woods, Camp Fuller by the Sea. I spent like seven or eight years at Camp Fuller by the Sea mm-hmm. to just be out and have fun and met a lot of nice people there, and that was the start of my childhood. From there, I went to high school, was totally into sports. And during high school, it was extreme, I was, became extremely entrepreneurial in high school. My family started many, many businesses, and I spent a lot of time listening to my dad, listening to my family, and a lot of it was about families and businesses. And during high school, I thought I was going to make a whole bunch of money, so I bought a used pinball machine for $150, and I thought I could like go to some of the local places, put it in, and start to count my quarters. Mm -hmm. That was my first entrepreneurial experience. Hmm. And Max, I ended up pretty good at pinball because the machine spent a lot of time in my basement at times. (laughs) (laughs) Pinball wizard? I I was definitely a start of Elton John and I, the pinball wizards, yes. (laughs) Um, From there, I went to University of Rhode Island, went to college. Um. Had a great time at college, like the parties, like the friends, like the relationships. And I was always thinking business and entrepreneurship. After college, I went on, did a whole bunch of jobs. And eventually, in the 1980s, after college, I ended up in the insurance business. I never thought I'd be in the insurance business that I'm in right now. I thought I was answering a j- Way back then, they had the classified ads. And I answered an ad, and I thought I'd be like, a financial planner, a stock picker, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a tease to get in the insurance business. 
The insurance business had a lot of things I liked and a lot of things I disliked about it. Um, the thing I loved about the insurance business was it was very entrepreneurial, but I wasn't quite sure I liked the product or the industry. But that was kind of what I've been doing for a lot of my time. Do you want me to keep talking about that, Max? Yeah, yeah sure. Keep going, yeah. So when I first got in the insurance business, it took two or three years to really learn what to do and how it worked. But the biggest thing I feel about the insurance business, it's about and everything I've done for the past 38 years is helping people reach their goals. It's not about me. It's about the customer first. Insurance is a really important tool for people because if mm -hmm. they have the right insurance in place, they could really lose a lot. Mm -hmm. They have so much at stake, and that's what insurance is about. And when I'm talking to people, if they understand that, it's a great match. And if they think it's a transaction, you know, another fee to have, it's a very tough, awkward place to be because sometimes they're not interested. And those are the clients who I don't mind having, but I really want to have people who really want to help themselves. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So what was your major in college? My major in co college was economics. What made you settle on that major? I liked to learn about supply and demand, the economy, people, how the markets work, how the trends worked. And to me, to be heading to the entrepreneurial world, that's what I was looking to do. Yeah, so I have a pretty funny story so i have a friend who's going to be unnamed for now who's an economics major at uri and we were playing video games and i asked him you know all right you know oh, i almost said his name all right uh, so and so <laughs> can you tell me what socialism is because it's a big macroeconomics topic and he had no clue <laughs> he's a senior at uri and i don't know if he was pulling my leg but he didn't sound like he knew what it was. Uh, were there kids at URI like that when you were going there? Yes. There were <laughs> kids like that at URI when I was going there. Yes. Oh, man. I don't know. Like, See, that's, that's my biggest thing with college is that you're spending all this money, right? And I really don't think it hits a lot of kids uh, how much money they're actually spending until they graduate and realize – I could pay this back, you know, and um, I think it's really unfortunate because, listen, I'm not going to sit here and hate on college. I think there's a definitely a time and place for it for a lot of different people. I think a lot of people need college. Uh, and if you're going to go to college, you have to realize that there's a value there and you can't just be focused on the partying or, or whatever else you're focused on. You really have to dedicate your time and get all all out of it. You can because there's a lot of great professors there and people are very knowledgeable who can tell you what socialism is, you know. So I think that it's really unfortunate that a lot of kids just go to college just for the party scene and the co the life college life experience. Um, but uh, I just think that that's something really undervalued and a lot of people don't realize. Um, but, yeah, I just – that's my funny – economic story <laughs> for the day um but uh yeah so do you remember like when you were selecting 
your major? You just said the why, but I mean, did they have entrepreneurial majors at URI during that time? Because I know somebody who just graduated uh, from URI as an entrepreneurial major. Good question. And the answer is they did not have entrepreneurial majors or courses back Mm -hmm. when I went. Mm -hmm. Max, I'm aging myself a little bit. We're talking the 70s, buddy. Yeah. What year were you born? 2001. (laughs) Correct. Yeah, things have have changed a whole bunch. But getting back to your point, when you went to college, and this is what economics is kind of Mm -hmm. about, some people... It kind of kind of like a red light, yellow light, and green light. And some people were there for the education. And the other side of it is totally, some people were there for the parties and could care less. Yeah. And to your point, a lot of people burnt through a lot of money, whether it's their money or their parents' money. A lot of people didn't make it to, you know, to the degree day. Yeah. And a lot of people have made it so far in life, it's unbelievable. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, one of the most memorable classes I had in my limited time at URI was my economics class. Um, I've always been somebody who's uh, interested in economics, especially now that I have my real estate license. I definitely have to be interested. Um, But I, I remember taking that class and just sort of like the questions that the teacher was asking, and she was very, like nowadays you get that bad stigmatism that a lot of college professors are and are favored towards one certain type of political view. But my, I got really lucky. My professor, she was great. She was very non-biased, which is good. You, can't, you shouldn't be able to tell which side your professor is on when it comes to something like economics especially. And uh, she was a really good teacher, and I can't remember her name. Um, but And I feel bad that I can't remember her name. But she was she was very dry. She was like you know, the Bueller-esque type professor, but there was something there that I enjoyed the class and I feel bad that I can't remember her name. But uh, yeah, I took um, a microeconomics class and then macro the second semester. Um, But yeah, it was really interesting and I enjoyed it. And I think it's a good major for, it's very, if you really don't know what you want to do, I think it's a good major to do like business. You know what I mean? I do. And a thought, Max, on what you were talking about is economics and real estate, because obviously you're talking about getting your real estate license. Here's where I think economics is really, really important. And I can give an example of how it kind of worked in my life. Yeah, absolutely. The real estate market was, you know, it's going a roller coaster and it was the tippity top of everything. Yeah. And people were just making money too easily, whether it's the investors, the sellers. It was way too easy. And now with interest rates up and the economy turning, that's what economics, I think, helps people do. It helps predict. If you're good with economics, you can predict where the market's going. I think you can make a lot of money. Yeah. One thing that I did two and a half years ago was with real estate. It's something that I like to do on the entrepreneurial side slash economic side of it is buy undervalued assets. Yeah. And someone approached me and they asked me if I wanted to buy a piece of real estate because I needed to sell it. And it appraised for $230,000 and I bought it for $130,000. And what happened was, was not really economics, but it was the entrepreneurial side of me. I knew 
that I could sell the asset for $230,000 because I had an appraisal put on the property. The market went up. I sold it for, I think, two hundred eighty-five dollars or $290,000. Wow. 130. I remember you telling me about that. And, I mean, that's the entrepreneurial part of me, the economics part of me, yep. the business side. Because if you talk about what's different about how Steve Schuster does things, I really had to understand why the guy was selling it to me so inexpensively, why he got in that situation was not a good situation for him to be in. Mm. But also, to my point of it, it was win-win because he was happy with that money. Yeah. Which shocks me. Yep. I was happy buying it for that money. Yeah. I'm thrilled to sell it. Did you have to put any work into it? Yes. We bought it for, like I said, one thirty. We put $30,000 of work into it approximately. Wow. And, and so I just want to get a little off topic here. So the past couple episodes we've had on people with nicknames, and you have a great nickname. We had Ross Levine on the on an episode. Um, I'm not sure if this is going to be posted before or after, but uh, his nickname is Turbo, and your nickname is pretty awesome. So Steve Schuster, also known as... The Shoe. Yeah. <laughs> um, we had to put that in there because it's a great... Great nickname. But, yeah, continue on about that that investment. Basically, we're on the topic of economics and yeah. entrepreneurship and just being able to, I think, for the listeners, find opportunities that are good for you, trust your gut. The big thing I've had to do in my lifetime is get experience. And the reason I talked about it, it's a relatively small deal is it gave me experience on how to flip properties and how to invest in properties. Yeah. I'd love to do it again. Yeah. Was that the first time you did that? No, I first time I flipped a property, but younger when I was younger in my career, I got involved in a partnership in a business with four partners. So as a partner in a business and that worked out fabulous for us. Yeah. I don't want to say the business name to the, on the podcast cuz it's very huge business that people would definitely be familiar with. Oh, wow. And it's the same exact concept on the real estate. We bought the business at a, depreci at a depreciated cost. We flipped the business in about 18 months and doubled our money. Wow. And how I was brought up and learned the entrepreneurial part was through my family because what we had to do was we'd like to buy businesses and assets at a depreciated value yeah so if like if if a dollar if the value is a dollar we want to buy it for a lot less than a dollar because <laughs> that's how we make our money on the buy side mm -hmm. and if you get lucky you can make it on the sell side that's important mm -hmm. we would have made a lot of a lot more money in the business i was talking about in the family business that i got in a partnership with but we did not have a good relationship with the people we bought the business from they wanted the business back. They they were having a hard time running the business. And unfortunately, with some of their problems that they went through, why the business went through bankruptcies, mm -hmm. they did not want our direction going forward. So we said, okay, we'll take our money out. We took them to the bank. We put them in good position. And it was good for them, good for us. We got our money out. I got some more experience. And that was a good thing. Yeah. Where were your parents from? Are they from Rhode Island too? Yes. My parents were from Rhode Island. Yes. Cool. And were they, were, was their main sort of job just 
investing in businesses and or what was their professions? Basically, my dad was my my grandfather, his father, came from the old country in Europe in the Depression area era. Yeah, came started a scrap metal business in Rhode Island, my grandfather's side of it. Mm -hmm. My father got involved in that business and it became one of the most successful scrap metal dealerships in Rhode Island at the time. Oh, wow. Then from there, they bought a brass company and they went into multiple businesses from there, which mm -hmm. exposed me to a lot of business discussions, which I loved as a kid. That's what I really enjoyed mm -hmm. and loved. My mother on the other side of it, she was part of a generation where she was a college professor, three different master degrees. Wow. Went to Brown University and she was a, she became a professor. Wow. What what was her her main, you know, what was her major and what would did, what did she teach? She was in the English department, taught a lot of speech writing courses. Yeah. English courses. Um when you were a kid, did you ever feel like there was pressure coming from the school you're at to go to college was there like was were because when i was going to school obviously only a few years ago there was always this pressure of you got to go to college you got to go to college there's no other way you don't go to college you're going to fail you're not going to make any money was there pressure like that when you were in school i already knew i was going to go to college and i yeah. think from the background i've been talking about my special situation yeah I kind of knew that was a track I was going to go on, so I didn't really think about not going to college. Mm -hmm. The schools definitely wanted you to put you through the college prep programs, and that was very competitive, and that was important, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I just think it's kind of unfair, and I think that um, that show, you ever see that show Dirty Jobs with yes, Mike I Rowe? I think it's really great to see shows like that come on and, and really show how important trades are. Um, you know, so... I was just curious to hear that, you know, if it has changed at all uh, since you were a kid. But, um, yeah, so let's get into your business, uh, your insurance company, a little bit. So uh, explain, you know, what the name of your business is and sort of what type of insurance you guys are into. So it's Brewster and Schuster. The business, I started in the insurance business in the 80s mm -hmm. and it took me three or four years to understand the insurance business and get a good feel for how it was working. And then I started to have a lot of contacts and get back to relationships, but I couldn't figure out how to make a lot of money in the insurance business. And then I had, then I ran across one good prospect and a second good prospect and a third good prospect. And I went to one of the Brewsters. That's why it's Brewster and Schuster. At one point there were four Brewsters alive and there was two fathers who were twins and two sons. And when I had the first three cases, I took one of the sons out. His name is John, who's deceased right now. And I said, John, can you help me with a prospect? He said, sure, I'll help you. And you know, we came up with a business format and a business split. So he made money. We got the first one. Then we got the second one. Then we got the third one. Mm -hmm. So then... It was a big agency back then, and I went to office space, and I hung around the Brewsters all the time, got their administrative help, 
So it's Steve Schuster with the Brewsters. It's a mentorship that to me was priceless experience with there. The, the older generation was there and they, we loved each other, the Brewsters and the Schusters. We really loved each other. Mm -hmm. One day I went to John Brewster because we, we did not sell medical insurance. I said, John, I want to make money selling medical insurance. And he said, because it was pretty much a life insurance practice back then, and group insurance, he said, Steve, you're not going to make it medical insurance. <laughs> and for the listeners, this is like my aha moment. I said, mm -hmm. John, we're going to do this. I don't know how we're going to do this, how we're going to figure it out. But Max was telling you is like my eyes are lighting up now and Steve's becoming... The shoe is starting right now. <laughs> Podcast members, here we go. I said, John, we're going to figure this stuff out. He says, we're not going to figure it out. I said, we're going to go. So eventually, I talked to one of our larger clients. And I said, we're going to go out and we're going to sell this guy insurance if we can. I said, John, you just go. And John and I are both talkers. We're mm -hmm. insurance. We know how to talk. I said, John, I'm going to kick you under the table if you interrupt me. But here's what we're going to do. <laughs> so we went to a large, large client of ours. And we said to him, how much money are you paying for your medical insurance right now? And he told us how much money he was paying. And at that point, the brokers, you had to figure out another way to make money because they weren't paying insurance commissions mm -hmm. to brokers. So he told us how much money he was paying with the biggest insurance company in Rhode Island back then. It's still the same company. Mm -hmm. And he said, I'm totally happy with everything. I said to him, if we can negotiate down and get you the same company or take you with another company that pays us commission, it's only one company that did pay commission back then. Will you do that? He said, sure. Because you already negotiated everything. We got them down from $175,000 to $130,000 to stay with the same company. Wow. I said, John, how did we do? <laughs> and that was the start of the group insurance business with Steve and John Brewster. Yeah. Since then, it's been like 38 years. And Max, we're going back to what we talked about, about the economics degree, the shoe being me, the focus, the intensity. To me, it's a whole process. And if I can lay it out, and if I can lay it out for the customers, that's how it worked. We didn't have a lot of, we didn't have any experience back then. It's funny, when I saved the guy all that money, like the $35,000, we told him we were going to take a percentage of the savings up front. I thought we were going to save him $5,000 if we were lucky. We saved him $30,000. So I said, I don't want the whole fee. I just want a portion of the fee. Wow. And that, that's how we do things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's huge. You know, Larry Fish, when he came on, talked about helping others, you know, and it'll come back to you tenfold, and it obviously has since then. You know, you have a successful insurance business, right? But but to take the story to the next level, yeah, the guy who I dealt with at the company was not the owner or the president. It was like a financial guy. Mm -hmm. He's still a client of mine. Wow. Wow. Yesterday, I spoke to another client's family three generations you know i'm 65 years old i'm seeing two three generations mm -hmm. and why and the reason that it works i'm not gonna say i was gonna ask you why you take care of people you educate people 
you care about them, you learn about their life stories. And as long as, because the other thing in back of us that we don't talk about a lot is we have to get educated as to everything current. We have to know exactly the trends in insurance. We have to be able to shop and compete in the insurance markets to get the best markets for people. Because the thing that I want to do is I never want to be embarrassed with a quote. I never want to say, Max, here's three insurance quotes. And Max comes out with, and you would do something like this, Max. I shop down the street. I got a better quote. See you later. Mm. Like, I never want to be on that end of it. Occasionally, I'm in competition. A lot of times, we win. Sometimes, we lose. But it's usually not on. A lot of it's such, so relationship-based. Because a lot of times, we're going to get the best product and the best price. And why people come to us, on, honestly, is relationships is important, but solutions is important. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think something that's really undervalued in today's like modern business practice is most definitely customer service. Um, I feel like if it's not a company's top priority, then it's not a priority at all. Um, I've definitely seen that just in like buying from all different types of businesses. You know what I mean? And, and experiencing, you know, their return policy or or their customer service policy. Do they outsource their customer service to a foreign country when you really can't understand a word that they're saying? You know what I mean? Like something along those lines. Um, and uh, yeah, I just if there's anything reoccurring on this podcast, I think with business owners is being able to help others. And that's why so many of them have been so successful is because that's one of their top priorities. It's not making money. It's helping solve other people's problems, you know? I'm glad you said that. And that leads me right into the biggest strong point of Brewster & Schuster. Yep. Is our customer service. Yep. Olivia Anthony works with me. And she is a service. She loves to service people. I love to service people. When we go out and sell people insurance, we each have a role. But a lot of times, it's the two of us, like last week, four times the clients were with myself and or Olivia, whether it's live or virtually. So if they have insurance questions, and we do a lot of medical insurance still, like we are talking about earlier, mm -hmm. selling medical insurance is a great business model. Because people have a lot of people have need the guidance and want the guidance. Because Max, you're young. A lot of young people we talk to don't need or want insurance, and they don't want to pay for it. But God forbid if there's a claim, it's a five thousand dollar deductible. Young kids don't want that either. So our job is to just educate people, and you know tell them the risks of what's going on. Mm. A lot of people have no idea. We get calls when people don't have the right insurance. We get them for clients. Or we get a lot of businesses that don't have agents. And what Olivia and I do is people don't think of it. They call us all the time with their insurance stuff. What we do is we just had 19 renewals because this podcast is being done in December 2022 when this thing gets old and people listening to it. We had 19 renewals for our business clients coming up. And... We came up with a plan to take care of them. We got them done right away. But service and renewals is everything. Mm -hmm. This year we had some 15, 20% rate increases. 
I, as the owner in the face of the business with Olivia, were petrified of it. We put an Excel spreadsheet together and we just educated people as to why they're going up so high. We've not lost any one of the 19. Mm-hmm. And all the 19, I think, are all set to go already. Mm-hmm. Some of my colleagues who I talked to, they haven't had the guts to face their clients yet. Wow. We're telling people, Max, your insurance is up 19%. Here's the reasons why. Medical trends is up 8%. Taxes and other fees are up to 10%. So on and so forth. And we just go and then we shop with people. Mm. The other part of the business I do want to talk about is we're in the group, we're in the individual Medicare business. Ian, I want to talk about that for our why first and why it's been great for my business as as a business owner. Mm -hmm. My why is when people turn age 65, business owners, a lot of them don't know the rules and the laws of what to do with people age 65. But if you look from an insurance company's point of view or from business owner's point of view, the most expensive person to insure are people over 65. Because in Rhode Island, they have a lot of different rating structures but if they do them based on age, you'd much rather put someone in your age, Max, who's in the 20s, than someone in my age who's in the 60s. So if you can show them Medicare as an option, the employer might save money. There's a lot of laws that have to be followed. The employer might save money. The employee, if they pick up individual med- Hey there, guys. Sorry to interrupt the episode, but I just wanted to tell you that I got my real estate license in the state of Rhode Island. So if you need to buy, sell, or need help renting a property in the state of Rhode Island, feel free to reach out. Contact me at maxwellwillett at kw.com or call me at 401-487-4477, and I'd be more than happy to help you. Thanks, guys, and enjoy the rest of the episode. Medicare usually saves money. So we're doing that to save businesses money. That was four or five years ago. I'm getting back to Olivia, my office manager. We have more Medicare clients than we ever thought we'd have. And the reason we have them is the why. It's because we educated them. Because when people are 65 years old, they're told they can't have, you know, they need Medicare. No one's ever educated them on how it works. And that's one product that I love selling because there's so much confusion out there. And people at age 65 don't know if they should get Medicare, if they should keep their job. The employees don't know how to handle it, especially if they have younger people and they've never been with Medicare. And Medicare grew from zero five years ago to it's about probably 15 to 20% of our business already. And we only work by referral. Mm-hmm. I mean, my business has been around long enough where it's only by referral. That's from just the relationships and problem solving. Let's make sure you're close enough to the mic. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I just don't want to not capture the audio. Um, yeah, amazing. Can can you explain the process? So, um, listen, a lot of people might not be interested in in, in insurance, but this conversation is a lot more than that. You know what I mean? And I'm definitely finding that. Can you explain? how you approached these customers when you rate when you had to raise their policies how did you approach them and what did the conversation go like sure first in order to do anything we do we need to come up with a plan 
slash a process. Yeah. So we're going to totally research. Say you're the client, say you're the client, you have a 20% rate increase. First, we looked at everything and what we have to look at. I'll give an example. It'd be easier. I, the highest renewal that I had this year was a 19.5 or 20% renewal. I looked on the census and they had everyone's dates of birth and ages. So that particular person, they had two people who are over age 65. So they're Medicare eligible. So when I looked at that, if those people decided to come off the plan, instead of a 19 or 20% rate increase, it would come down to a 10% increase. If those people agreed to take Medicare or chose to take Medicare. So we realized 19% part of the opportunity was just two people who are eligible for Medicare. Would, could they or would they want to go on Medicare? And that's the conversation we had with the owner. I said, you know, it's their decision. We don't control it. They have to pay for it themselves. They have to, you know, it's their motivation to do it. Lo and behold, they took it. They're now their renewal went from 20 to 10%. It was that easy. And of the other 10%, eight or 9% of that is fees because Blue Cross or the insurance companies have gone up with inflation. So they like had a flat, re you know, their renewal was happy. Mm. So it's always figuring out, educating people on the why. When we go, we'll take another one, for example. With all the insurance carriers, we, I just finished one and we talked, I talked to the owner last night on the phone. And basically he was picking a salant, a plan option for himself. But the first thing we did was educate him, tell him the numbers were going up. He knew we felt his pain. He knew we were his partner. And I said, okay, we shopped every single insurance carrier out there. We could not find you a better deal. You're in really good opportunities. And the other thing that we do is, can your viewers see this chessboard right here, Max? What's that? Can your viewers see this chessboard right here? Um, Partially, probably, yeah. Our business is like moving pieces of a chessboard yeah. around. Yep. And what I'm going to tell you what I mean by that is Blue Cross Blue Shield of Rhode Island, United Health, Neighborhood Health, Tufts. I don't want to really get into too much of the minutia that way. Mm. They have 20, 30, 40 products. Yeah. Maybe all we have to do is like with a chessboard, put them into a different plan. Instead of a low deductible plan, let them have a low deductible plan, a medium deductible plan, and a high deductible plan. Now they can have one carrier pick three or four or five different products. A lot of agents don't think that way or won't do that for people. Yep. So now they're going to have all different price points, all different deductibles. So it's just, that's our way of thinking and educating people. And what you say is you pay for the least expensive product they can buy up. Mm -hmm. Or unemployment a year ago was so high, a lot of companies said, how can we maintain our employees? Offer them health insurance. Offer them better health insurance. Yeah. So obviously, I mean, not obviously. So I watch Shark Tank a lot, right? I love that show. I love looking at entrepreneurs that go on there and saying what's wrong with their businesses, even though they're on the show and I'm not. <laughs> um, but anyways, you hear them talk. You hear the shark, sharks. Jeez, Rhode Island accent came out there for a second. Um, say, you know, this product is, is you really have to educate people you know, in order to use it. It's going to take a lot of education, right? They had this um, 
this guy on who had edible, uh, so, uh, not silverware, like like fork or spoons and sporks and 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 straws, right? They're edible. They're edible, you know, like and some of them weren't flavored and some of them were, and they're like, you know, I think the idea is great, but I mean, when these are sitting on the shelves, you gotta educate people, right? Obviously, it's a great environmental saving product right because there's not going to be a lot of waste they're not they're trying to reduce you know single-use plastic utensils right so when it comes to insurance my question is do you feel like education is a large portion of your business or do you feel like people are already going into these meetings with what they they already know what they want or do you feel like you have to educate people a lot of times i totally feel like this is how i feel i'm going to get to that in a second Mm -hmm. but usually when i go to meetings i'll have my homework done i'll kind of know and olivia i will know where we think they should go knowing our business and knowing our client but the first thing we always want to ask the prospect or the client is so you're the client max what's up with you what are you thinking about what do you think of your insurance and you'll tell us something and if you have an open mind which i think most clients do even though they have an opinion we're going to get there so we're going to we don't want the sale we want a client that's what we're looking to do mm-hmm. and we want to educate them as to new products and services or all products and services that are available and education, to me, is what we do better than a competition in most cases. Mm-hmm. Our, what makes us very successful and keeps the retention rate very high is when we have companies, typically non-COVID, we go on site for annual renewal updates. From there, we meet with people individually to put them on the plan and our office is set up where we can do one-on-one consultations. Until we get, like, we have large, large companies, we maybe can't do that all the time. But if people need us or want us, we have a very good software system, and they can call us, and we can help them with that. Education is everything, especially with Medicare. People, yesterday I spoke to a guy, really intellectual guy. His wife's a professor at an Ivy League college. It's the same thing I talked about a minute ago. Ira, what's up? How can we help you? What's your wife want to do? They just wanted education. Mm. And I'll tell many people, they have a great product to her college. And I said, you keep your product. It's good. The firm, the, you know, the university's paying for most of your wife's stuff and a lot of your stuff. Like, keep it. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing that gets us a lot of referrals with Medicare right now, there's so many good products out there that we haven't sold to people and we, they get referred to us for a second opinion. We'll ask them to keep it. I mean, everyone is not going to be the right one. We're not going to be the right one for everyone. We only want to sell people when it's right. And that's what makes it right for us. Yeah. Uh, do you feel like, <sighs> so obviously, oh, actually, no, I got to, Another question for you. Can you talk about any stories where you went to somebody or somebody came to you and they said, I need this insurance 
uh, policy and how it helped them. Can do you have any stories of, you know, how you've helped people in particular with certain issues that they've had? Do you have any like stories? Yeah, I'm just trying to think. We have so many stories. Yeah, of how we help people, but the one th- many people thank us so many times for doing things. Yeah, I have a story right now of a person who had a cancer situation and basically they're insured with one of our insurance carriers that have been with us for probably eight or nine years and we got them a concierge nurse from an insurance company. Mm -hmm. We go to meet with the customer probably one to four times per year. One of their employees needs a liver transplant and we're all over that with them. We have conscientious person to help do that. And, you know, we just hear the story all the time. And that's, that's what we get paid to do. And, you know, which company they should go to, which drugs they should be on. We just help them get the funding. Mm-hmm. We get, we have another story from a jewelry company. And one of the, the owner's wife has cancer. We handle all her claims. She just sends us explanations of benefits and a lot of her claims we just handle for her. You know, I saw her at a social function about a month ago and we want to make it easy for them. And that's what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Um, what do you think the the biggest misconception about your profession, profession is? I think a lot of people don't like insurance. Yep. They don't like the premiums. You know, if they're really healthy, they think it's kind of like, I wish I was spending the money somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I see, the older I get, I see the other side of it, where if you're sick, you can't afford to live unless you're a multimillionaire without insurance. Mm. And you need it. And the calls I get most often are, I call them the 911 calls. It's like, Steve, I don't have insurance, but I'm sick. What do I do? I have crappy insurance. What do I do? And it happened to me twice in the past two years where a guy in his 80s was on Medicare. His mind was slipping a lot. Ah. And he got mad at the insurance company. Mm-hmm. And I think he had a lot of issues to deal with. And he canceled the insurance. Oh, no. It's Medicare. It was not open enrollment. He had open heart surgery, you know, in the past. Mm-hmm. He's had all kinds of medical problems. And he and his girlfriend in their 80s were calling me, what do I do? We solved it for them in like three or four weeks. I found a company that will give him a guaranteed issue product because he had medical issues. And that's another whole topic about guaranteed issue with Medicare. But within a month, I solved that for him. I solved that for a lot of people call me when they drop their insurance and they can't pass insurance physicals. We can usually find a way. But sometimes our product is disrespected or not understood. And the other side of it is we want to help people with problems. That's, that's what we do at Problem Solvers. Mm-hmm. Can you explain how you have, I mean, have helped people 
who have had like issues with dementia or Alzheimer's. Is there any any case that comes to mind particular other than that one of how you've helped people with that? Because I understand that it it's insanely difficult because obviously the person that needs the help can't advocate for themselves, you know? Well, we, the only thing that we can do, we're insurance people. Mm-hmm. We're not the medical mm-hmm. side of things. And a lot of times when people are in that situation, we're not dealing with them directly because they're mm-hmm. the caretaker mm-hmm. or someone working with them. Mm-hmm. But we're going to try and figure out the best, how insurance can work best for them. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you something I learned even this morning. I was in a car accident recently. I had to go to a doctor's office and they said to me, you know, here's you you know, here's a bill that you had to see us for the car accident for, so it was for me. And they, they they presented the bill and I thought about it. Insurance is gonna pay will pay for that, but the people from the car accident, because I got rear-ended, they have to pay that bill for mm-hmm. me. Because mm-hmm. they wanted money. But there's so many different I guess I'm getting off on the sidetrack, man. No, 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 it's okay. But I mean, you just have to know how and where the products work or the situations work. Mm-hmm. But to me, it is, um, I purposely have a paper for taking notes and I like to listen, ask questions and take notes. I come in with prepared things for, for people, but it's all about listening to them and helping them in their business. Absolutely. So I want to backtrack a little bit. Let's go sure. back to when you were first starting in insurance or your entrepreneurial career. What did, what for you was the most difficult part of, of, of not following the, uh, you know, nine to five, just go work for somebody and make your, make your life easy. You know, what, what was the most difficult thing for you to, to sort of get over? I knew, and I still have the feeling in me, the, I still have the drive in me today. If I have a goal, I want to succeed it, succeed. And, you know, I'm pointing to my belly right now. There's, there's a fire in here. Mm-hmm. If I have a vision that I want to do something and conquer it, I don't know how I get there. I really don't. But that's exactly with, whether it's a house I talked about buying, the business I had with my family that I got involved with, whether it's building an insurance business from scratch, and now we have Brewster and Schuster, you know, in a great business. It's the fire inside me, and it comes from inside, and it's a drive. And I think an entrepreneur either, you don't become an entrepreneur, either you are or you're not. Mm-hmm. And like I'm looking right now at you, Max, and you are totally an entrepreneur. You're going to figure, I'm putting this back in you a little bit on my podcast, but this is, you tell your listeners, man, tell us some of the, t- tell us some of the irons that you have in your fire. How are you going to become a s- successful entrepreneur? Well, I mean, huh, I've never been asked that on my podcast. Um, I don't know. It's just, for me, I, 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 a quote that's really resonated, one of the many quotes that have really resonated to me are uh, Kevin O'Leary said, I saw it on Instagram or something like that. And he said, a paycheck is what they give you to give up on your dreams. Right? I'm not in it for the money. I'm in it for the freedom I'm in it because I don't want to be told how to live my life you know what I mean um and 
I like just being able to do my own thing and whatever, however it works out, that's how it'll work out for me. You know what I mean? And for me, I've talked about it on my YouTube channel before. I've slightly mentioned sort of the different things that I've in in this podcast before. In fact, I mean, I read an ad in front of every podcast telling everybody that I got my real estate license. So I have my real estate license. I have this podcast and I have my 3D printing product development company. And for me, you know, this podcast is more than than a way it, it, it isn't a way for me to make revenue. It's for me to sit down and talk to wonderful people like you and learn from their life experiences. And I've been there's this one person who I've been trying to get on who I idolize um, for ever since I created the podcast. And I've been bugging him and bugging him. Sort of how I annoyed Larry <laughs> to come on the podcast. This is another guy. And I'm going to send him this episode and, and you know... This this isn't a revenue stream for me, you know. Sure, I've had. I I, I want to thank a few of the sponsors that I've had, uh, Team Von Flatern, you know, helping me keep this going. You know, Jeremy Von Flatern and his team have sponsored this podcast before, and thank you guys very much. But it's more than that for me. It's 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 a learning experience, and this podcast is going to help me in my other two ventures. Definitely. And it has because I've had people on from all different backgrounds who have made mistakes before and have told me how to not run into those mistakes before. You know what I mean? Um, but I mean, I, I'd lie to you if I told you I have a 10 year plan and this is what I'm going to do. That'd be lying. You know, so for me, it's just it's not I'm not going with the flow, but. I have rough guidelines to what I want to achieve. It's nothing that has been set in stone. Um, and uh, yeah, so let, the guy that I idolize, I really want to have on this podcast because I would love to just sit down and hear his life story, hear the advice he has to give and and share it to people because I know it's a really, really sad fact, but eventually people are going to not be around anymore. And not only is this a way to remember people, uh, you know, in their minds, but they can go back and they can watch and they can listen to this person's voice. And it might be some somebody that they knew and it might help them get through a tough time in their life. And the reason why I started this podcast was because of an experience that happened to me like that. I was with somebody, uh, Keith Frost, own higher grounds down the road and he passed away in the parking lot when we were golfing and I it just something clicked for me where I was like life is so incredibly precious and I know it's a really graphic reasoning but like he inspired me to create this podcast and, and capture all these great people's life stories and uh yeah but I just got off on a huge tangent there but yeah, I really don't have an overall arching set in stone plan. I have rough guidelines of I want to work for myself, I want to do my own thing, and I don't really want other people telling me how to live my life. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's get back about you. So what, what were you saying before that? 
I'm glad you did that. This yeah. is about me. Yeah. Because I asked you a question that I think you're happy I asked. Yeah. I think it was the burning desire in you because you're an entrepreneur like me. That's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And now I wrote down a note. You're on three dip- you have three different things going on. Mm-hmm. You have your podcast. You have 3D printing. You have real estate. Mm-hmm. If that doesn't say the word entrepreneur and don't give me any rules, I'm, I'm Max Willett. I'm doing my own thing. It's Your name's all over it. The reason you're doing the podcast is you had Larry Fish on right before me, I think. Mm-hmm. You have Ross, who's a championship. He has a belt for world champion and a fighter, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Aren't you like a world champion fighter? <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know about or that. Or you're an amateur fighter? Probably. Probably closer to an amateur. Because yeah. I wrote down some things. Some things that I had to do when I was your age, I'll never forget. I was at Disney World. Mm-hmm. And I was going to go on one of the scary rides. And I'm sitting there being anxious, talking to like my family and stuff. And a girl says, she said, do you mind if I tell you something? She says, I'm a psychology major. She says, you're at Disney World. You know, a little bug is not going to eat you up. Like, go on that like, big ride and you're going to be just fine. Face your fears. Mm-hmm. And when she said... Face your fears. At 65 years old, I still have to face them. I mean, walking through the door to do this podcast today and saying, like, what am I in for? What am I going to say? I faced it, and I'm smiling, and I'm thrilled. Mm -hmm. You're going to have so many fears that you're going to have to face in business. I don't know if anyone has told you that across this mic. You know, you're doing real estate, and the deal's busting up up somehow, some way. You have to call someone and say, Steve, try this, try that, or you can't have the offer that you want. You have, you know, a big commission on the line. You'll, you'll pay a price. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's all what we do. But that's what the entrepreneur does, and he or she gets to do that. And then you got to figure out two columns. The plus side, what you learned, and the negative side, what you learned you never want to do again. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is what business is about. And I wrote down one other word that I love to do, and you know that, Max, is mentor people. Mm-hmm. And, like, my, I... I had a lot of good successes and what makes me happy is just helping other people, mentoring them at their own pace and trying to help them do their own thing. That's what makes Steve Schuster really, really happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, is there anything you want to add before we get to the final question? I think I'm good right now. All right. Well, as you know, you're a listener of the podcast. And um, the final question is, if you were to leave one piece of advice, it could be business, life, anything you want it to be, what would that piece of advice be? The piece of advice would be is to trust yourself, trust your gut, face your fears, and take the chances. Absolutely. Well, Steve, Thank you very much for asking that question, and it's been an absolutely amazing conversation. I really appreciate you coming on and taking the time out of your day to share your life experience and advice. Thanks, Max, and congratulations to you on everything you're doing, and I love being here. And if anyone ever asks, is asked to be on Max's podcast, they should do it because it's going to help Max and it's going to help them. This was great. Thank you. Absolutely. Not a problem, Steve. And for everybody listening, uh, if you want to hear this podcast early, uh, you can hear it weeks before it's posted on Patreon. Uh, for as little as $3 a month, you can get early access to the podcast. Every episode that I create, 
I edit it the same day and post it on Patreon within a day. Uh, so if you want to get early access, you're, you're a constant listener of the podcast, make sure to subscribe on Patreon uh, to not only get early access, but support the podcast. Also, make sure to follow the podcast on Instagram, knowledgeispower underscore RI, uh, and check out the website, kip-pod.com. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening, and I will catch you in the next